Nice job, ladies. Thank you. Boy, it's so good when somebody can be vulnerable, right? And just like talk about real life. Like, I yelled at my kids. That's, that's true. <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't hear anything about the, uh, about the husband-wife relationship through all that. And I know those. That, what's that? Okay, that, that's, that's, that's the verse. That Amanda's uh, holding on to. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen. Well, you know, a lot of times we think, we don't know what to say. When they were talking about, you know, your words have power, life and death, there's one word that you can always be confident if you don't know what to say, if you speak God's word. Because, you know, the Bible tells us that God's word is incorruptible seed. That it, it never returns void. It always accomplishes the thing that God sends it to, to, to do. And that if you don't know what to say in a situation, if you don't know what to say, it's why, that's why it's important to get in God's Word. Yep. Meditate on God's Word. Let God's Word permeate you so that when you're in a situation, that you, you can speak God's Word. And it, it never returns never void. That's right. Even if you mess it up. I, I, I butchered it before, and somehow <laughs> God takes... Even when we, in our hearts, right, and we say it with the right intent, even if you mess it up, I, I think grace somehow, he, he takes it and uses it. Yeah, I think too many people get locked in on they don't memorize it, they don't have it word for word, and it's like, yeah, is, it in, is it in your heart, though? Is it? Is it yeah, yeah, what version do you memorize? Anyway? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, today, uh, we're, we, the, the title of our message today is called The Time is Now. The Time is Now. And uh, Jay texted me this, um, I asked him to pick the passage this week, and he texted me 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. He said he felt like that was where the Lord would have us go this week. So we're going to start with that. We're really only going to probably focus on content of the first two verses, but since I've already got it in the PowerPoint, let's go ahead and we'll read, or I'll, I'll read that the whole thing. section, okay. and then uh, we'll go back and kind of uh, work from verse 1. So 2 Corinthians, if you have your Bible... 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 10. It says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. Father, we just want to just, just take a few minutes, Lord, and I just want to just... Welcome you here today, Holy Spirit. May you take the words that, that we speak today, and Lord, that may your, your power flow through those. Father, I pray that seed would be planted in the hearts of each person that listens to this uh, teaching today. 
and we're believing great things because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, probably the, the, whole, the whole context of a lot of what Paul is writing here, he talks all through the book of 2 Corinthians a lot about ministry and different things about ministry that he's in and ministry that he's calling really the church to. And, and this part's no different. The last part of this text is really about different things that, that as in ministry, Paul, and really us, that we have to persevere and endure through. And I'm not sure, Jay, that we'll really get to that because I, I think as you and I talked through this this week, the, the verses 1 and 2 are probably really the heartbeat of, of what we want to talk about. Right. So, Amen. You want to, let's just go back to verse 1, okay. and we'll, uh, we'll just kind of go from there. All right. Um, <clears throat> Well, in verse 1, it says that working together, um, basically Paul is saying that, you know, as, as those that have received Jesus, those that are in the kingdom, like we said last week, they should all be working together. And then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Um, and I, what jumped out at me in that verse is that I, th- I think Paul wants you, when you receive salvation, when you receive that grace, is receive it in full. Not just say, okay, well, I receive that because I believe God loves me. However, I still uh, am torn up in my sin. I still can't forgive myself because all the things I've done. I believe God loves me, but I'm holding on to this, 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 and this. And I think the big thing that when, when you receive salvation, and not to receive it in vain, is that you receive the total package um, that's the complete and, and total redemption as far as forgiveness of sins, um, saved, set free, um, eternally loved, and you can't sit there and say, well, I believe most of that, but I have a hard time forgiving myself. Like, God's saying it's all available to you, I need you to grasp hold of this thing and walk in it totally. Because as long as you hold on to a little part of it, a little speck on it, you're saying, Jesus, that what you dying wasn't quite enough. You might have died from 75% of my sins, but this one's just the, the crusher. And I don't think you died for that one. So if you're saying, I'm still holding on to that one, part of you saying, I received this grace in vain because you don't think it's quite enough. Um, and... This is a, a, were you going here with the prophecy? Oh, no, well, yeah, let, let's hold. Okay. So I, one I thing I just want to mention on this verse, this verse starts out with a conjunction, mm-hmm. the word then. Uh, it's all, all, also translated different places, but or and. So you're old enough to remember this. Remember Schoolhouse Rock? Mm-hmm. Conjunction, junction, okay. what's your function? function. <laughs> 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 Hooking up words, phrases, and clauses. <laughs> For, for those that are under 30, you have no idea what we're talking about. Maybe <laughs> but, 35. Yeah, maybe, maybe 40. I don't know. But for those that were around in the early 70s, there was Schoolhouse Rock that taught us what the purpose of a conjunction was. And there was this little train set, and he connected words, phrases, and clauses. So this verse starts out with a conjunction, which means that it's connecting to the, the previous verses. So Paul's making this thing that says, but now, or, or we then, because of what I just said, we then uh, are co-workers, or workers together mm-hmm. with him. So I think it, it's important, especially just 
what you're saying about, well, God, forgive me of this, but not this, or 75%, not, not the whole package. And it's really important, I think, to go back, before we look at the Isaiah prophecy, to go back in, in 2 Corinthians 18, or 5.18, and read those few verses prior to that, because it really helps us understand the totality of what Jesus did. Right. So 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. So big word. Reconciled. A lot of people read reconciled and, and, and not really sure what that means. But the word reconciled, it's really an accounting term. It just means to bring two things that are at variance into equality. That you're exchanging things of equal value. So when I think of reconciliation, this is not something a lot of people do anymore, but uh, do you still reconcile your bank account? Uh, no. <laughs> no. So a lot of people don't. A lot of people with, uh, with ATM cards, they're just going with their bank balance. But in a business setting, we still have a bank ledger, and then we have what the bank says you have, and the two never agree. So the bank says I have X, and my checkbook says I have Y. I have to bring those two things into agreement or reconcile the two. And, and what Paul's getting ready to say is there was the, when we were without Christ before Jesus came, we were at odds. We were out of balance, if you will. And it says that all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry. So he's talking about so that what we have is a ministry of reconciliation. And he goes on to say that we have the word of reconciliation, which means what we do and what we say as, as uh, Amanda and Evie were talking about the things that we say and the words we say, so that the words that we speak should be words of reconciliation, should be words that we impart to people that begin to tell them and give them an idea of what Jesus actually did. And he says that in verse 19, uh, 2 Corinthians 15, that is God was in Christ. And here's, here's what a lot of people don't understand. They, if they get saved, they think, okay, God has forgiven me of my sin. But it says here that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So when Jesus is on the cross, uh, God takes all the sin of the world, and the word impute means to put on his account, he puts all the sin on Jesus. And by doing that, by putting all the sin on Jesus, he actually reconciled or brought peace or agreement between him and the world. So that even for an unsaved person, their sin is not actually an issue with God. That their sin has already been taken care of. That he's already reconciled. He's no longer mad at them. He's no longer angry at them. That there's complete harmony, complete peace uh, toward them. Now, each person has to receive that. That's why he goes on to say, don't receive the grace of God in vain. So although God has reconciled, God through Jesus reconciled the entire world back to himself, places all sin, all judgment, all punishment on Jesus, no enmity, no variance. He's completely accepting but you have to, have to receive that. And, and, and God's saying that our ministry is just that, that the words we speak, the ministry we do, should be one of letting people know, hey, God's not mad at you. He says, we're ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. 
we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. So God has reconciled the world, but each person has to receive that reconciliation. And he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So it's just just an amazing thing that, that God took all of my sin, put it on Jesus. Before, matter of fact, Paul says in Romans 5, I think it's Romans 5.10. He says, uh, flip back here real quick. Because a lot of people say, oh, is God mad mad at me? People ask me all the time, is God mad at me? Is God God angry with us? Romans 5.10 says, remember 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ Christ died died for us. us. Romans 5.10 says, if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So that even when we were enemies with God, he he did this reconciliation. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. So he's made it available. We have to receive it. God's not mad at you. God's not angry with you. I mean, he's he's completely over it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so 2 Corinthians 6 when he, in verse 2 when he says in a favorable time I've listened to you in a day of salvation I've helped you this is actually another prophecy that's been fulfilled uh, I know we addressed that recently just talking about how many Old Testament prophecies that Jesus actually fulfilled which is a number that you can't even fathom um, when they talk about the odds of them but in Isaiah 48 I'm sorry, 49, chapter 8. Chapter 49, verse 8. I'll get there in a second. Um, It's actually talking about God talking about his son, um, saying that in an acceptable time I have heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, and I will give thee for a covenant of thy people to establish the earth, to cause, to inherit the uh, desolate heritages, heritages. And so in this time, you know, when God's saying to, to G, you know, about Jesus that he's not saying it on a personal level because obviously Jesus didn't have any sin. He didn't need to be uh, set free from sin. Um, but it refers to like hearing and helping him in that day that God would pre- be gracious and provide salvation for all men. And it just, I, I told Pastor Fred, this morning that like, you know, one of Jesus' final words that he spoke was, "Father, forgive them. They don't, they don't know, they don't, they know not what they do." And it's like Jesus knew, like Fred talked about a couple weeks ago, that God was going to turn His back on him in that moment of pouring out all the all the sin and all the judgment. And you know, so last one of the last things he's saying is here. I'm I'm laying it down for them. I'm interceding. I'm laying this all out for them. Father, forgive them, please. Like, lay it all down. Get rid of all the anger. Pour it out on me and forgive them. Um, and you know, then God's saying in this in this in Second Corinthians, in a favorable time, I listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I've helped you. So now is the favorable time, and now is the day of salvation because Jesus in that moment defeated everything, laid it all down. Therefore, from that point on, now, no matter when you read this, you can read this last month, today, next month, a year from now, it's not going to change. 
Now is the favorable time because Jesus already took care of everything. Now is the day of salvation because you don't have to gear up. There's not a certain time. We don't have church every Sunday and say, well, today you can get saved. And if you don't get it today, well, you have to wait till next Sunday. Nope. Anytime salvation is available. Now, now, now. And then what was awesome that you guys didn't see on camera is when uh, Brother Don Ward led us in prayer this morning, one of the first things he said was, now. Now, he was talking about Hebrews, but it was the same message. Like, yeah. now is the time, people. Today now, today yeah. is the day you get saved. Um, and this prophecy was saying this is going to be a new covenant. Like, it's going to be a brand new covenant. And it's so, I mean, I know we, we've gone to that, that moment in time here a couple times the last few weeks, but I don't think we grasp it still sometimes. Just that how much it changed in one moment, Jesus dying on that cross, that it, everything changed. A new covenant exchanged for the old covenant. That sin, death, defeated right there in a moment. And it just puts this whole thing into perspective that now is the favorable time. I wrote that down about... Um, it's that day of salvation is also translated like salvation deliverance. I mean, it's like I mean, it means it, deliverance. It means healing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's all there. Yeah, it's all yeah. it's all encompassing. Um, and and also, I I just threw one more thing in there, and we talked about this this morning in Acts seven sixty. You know, Stephen had just poured out in front of, of all the uh, Sanhedrin. Is that right? He was in front of. Yeah, they, they, yeah, being the, judged. Yeah, yeah, the judges and all. And he's getting stoned to death, and he looks up and sees like almost a vision of heaven and says basically like same thing, like, Father, forgive them. You know, like they, they're, they're out of their minds. They, they're not getting it. Boom, and he, he, he dies, and like he dies peacefully like in that moment. And it's like he had that same like heart to say, like, Lord, please like have mercy on them. Like they're, they're out of their minds. They don't know you. And so, therefore, don't punish them, judge them. And like we said this morning, that was already done. Jesus had already died. But had even the apostles, like and Stephen, had they really grasped the yeah. the truth and the whole the whole package? Had they it, really grasped it's it? It's something that really I, I thought about this this week. And and when Jesus died, he took care of all sin. And just as we read that uh, in Second Corinthians five, it said that God was in Christ, not or not imputing their sin to them, but imputing it to Christ. He's imputing their sin to Christ. So it's all paid for. And then the apostles, they just get saved. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They're preaching. They don't have the revelation then that, that Paul, Paul hadn't got his revelation yet. They didn't have the completed scriptures. And they're still working through things like, well, do we still, sacrifice, do we still uh, uh, circumcise people? Do we still uh, eat things that have blood or not? And they're still working through that. And here's Stephen dying and says, don't lay this charge to their account. Well, looking back, God couldn't because he'd already laid that charge on Jesus' account just a few, few months or a few, I'm not sure how long it was, probably just a few months earlier. And, uh, but here's the great thing about that. Even though Stephen probably prayed a prayer that theologically wasn't correct at the time because God couldn't impute that sin to those people because he'd already imputed it to Jesus, God used that prayer, and his heart was right in it, to really soften Paul's heart and begin to, to speak to Paul and to, to turn him around. And I think it just kind of goes to what we said earlier, is that, you know, 
speak God's word, and, and don't be so concerned. I mean, yes, we want to make sure that we study to show ourselves approved, and yes, we want to make sure that we're, we're walking in as much light as we have, but, but God can take his word and use it for good 100% of the time. Right. You know, and to tie in with what the lady said earlier about your power of your words, and like, you know, there's Stephen getting stoned. The accusers are killing him, and yet he can cry out in a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this against them. How many of us can have someone stoning us, you know, with their words or their accusations, and us just to look up and say, Father, don't don't hold it against them. Like more, our hearts more like on, like in, in standing in the gap between them as they're, you know, unleashing whatever they are against us instead of looking to fire back at them, you know. And there's not many of us that, that probably can do that um, with a good, clean heart as opposed to wanting to defend our honor or fire back with whatever we have in our, you know, tool belt. So. I, I couldn't help but reading uh, when I was reading Isaiah 49, 8, and it talks about the acceptable time. And if we just flip a few chapters to the right to Isaiah 61. So remember Isaiah 61, when Jesus, he's revealing himself as the Messiah. And we can read about this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And he picks up the book, and it says he opens the scroll, and he reads from Isaiah 61. And he reads to a certain point, and then sits down. Hands the book back to them, and 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 says, today this has been fulfilled in your, your eyes, basically saying, I'm the Messiah. But what he reads, Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God. But he doesn't read that. He stops right at to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and right where that comma is, we've been on that comma for 2,000 years. Because the day, of, uh, the day of vengeance of our God is still coming. But we're now living in the acceptable time. This is the acceptable year then, that because of what Jesus did, Paul says that you are accepted in the beloved. That, that God looks at you and favors you and, and thinks and loves you the same way he loved Jesus. And that this is the now is the accepted time. And, God, and Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's upon me to, 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 to preach deliverance, to, pre, to, to heal the sick, to proclaim the acceptable year. This is it. Yep. We're in it. It's been 2,000 years. You can almost see things in, in, in blocks you know, where you know, before Jesus came, there was that period of just you know, the law, and you, you had to do certain things. You had to make sacrifices, um, and but yet God's judgment was still there. Jesus comes, takes care of all that. Now there's the block of now's the day of salvation. Like there's free salvation available. We we have it greater than any time in history in this in the spiritual aspect. Without going into all that, what are you talking about? In a spiritual sense, we have free salvation available. We have the Holy Spirit that can live and dwell in us each day, giving us discernment right and wrong. And we don't realize how great we have it. And then Jesus comes back. We're talking about, you know, seven years of tribulation. Now it's going to get dark again. And right now, in that block, is the time of salvation. Like, it's that open window that, like, I'll take everybody. Like, let's go. Like, hop on board of this. Which is why 
we need to open our mouths more because the more we can just get on board right now, the easier it is. Like, I can't imagine what it's going to be like. We're already seeing it. I'm going to get down a rabbit hole. Go ahead. Guy, I'm gonna, I'll, I will dig you out. I'll, we'll get, can, how about this? You go in the rabbit hole. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a string on your tail. Please do. Cause I'm going I'm to pull you out. Getting, like, we're already seeing the time. I, 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 I said this the other day. I was talking with people. It, the Bible says that there's going to be a time that he has to cut the time short because even the very elect would be deceived. Now, I, I kind of wrap that around my brain. Now, now, in your own mind, think of the most saved person you know. Like the most person that you're just, you know, they're they're living wholly righteously, blah blah. Like is that I, is that like the most pregnant person you know? No, that I mean, be, how, how do you? No, <laughs> but like I, I, I'm not trying to put her, but like I think a mama bolt. Can you imagine mama bolt being deceived? Like seriously, can you imagine her being like questioning God or like going against God or like, you can't? I can't even fathom that. That's not even a thought. But yet the Bible clearly says that if he doesn't cut the day short that even the very elect would eventually be deceived. And, and I, we're at a time right now with this whole COVID thing and the way the world is, we're already seeing Christians doing this. They're already starting to fight against each other, saying, well, I believe it should be like this. Well, no, you're wrong because of this. No, Scripture says this. No, Scripture says this. We're already seeing the Christian community start to go to divide. And, and I just think if it's this bad now, it's just going to continue to get worse. And so... If we're not out there trying to save souls now, I think we're going to get to a point where it's going to be darn near impossible because people are going to be, become so rigid in their right and wrong thinking, they're not going to have any, any grace or any, like, because the deception is going to become so strong. We already have groups that, like, that say, well, if you speak in tongues, it's of the devil. When another group says, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not even saved. So they both can't be right. Um, and... You know, you have certain groups saying, if you don't get water baptized, sub submerged, you're not saved. Um, another group saying, you know, well, that's just part of the whole, you know, you're renew again, you're just making it. So we're already seeing the Christian community through the years start to divide and break. And I just can't help but think that it's just going to continue to get worse. And I, and I say all that to say that now's the time for salvation. If you're not actively just trying to say to people, look, Jesus died for you and loved you, will you get saved? Get yourself saved. Just hop on board. All the other stuff, worry about down the road, but just please accept Jesus into your heart. Get yourself reconciled. Get saved. And that should be our main focus. Before yeah. we go into any in-depth teaching of what you know, how they're supposed to live, and, well, you should be doing this. you got to be doing that. You should. I didn't get to See, that. No, you did. Because it, it talks in verse 1, it says, it says that, it says, we plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, which means uh, without a purpose, which tells me that once I've received God's grace, that he has a purpose for me and his grace beyond just me just getting saved, right. that there's a purpose beyond my initial salvation. So there's an aspect where we can waste grace uh, or, or receive it in vain for ourselves. So, you know, as I've said before, is that you were saved the day you accepted Christ, you're being saved because we all still need to be healed, we still need deliverance, we still need all those things, and one day we will be saved when he takes us out of this world. So there's an aspect of salvation of past, present, and future. So we can waste that or receive that in vain, but I think even in context, 
when Paul's talking to them, said, hey, we implore you, uh, as far as ministry, you need to be telling people, we can be hoarders of God's grace. Oh, I got saved. I'm good. You, you worry about yourself. And, and we, we receive it in vain because I'm not taking on the responsibility that, hey, I've gotten what Jesus provided for, and I need to let some other people know too. And, and I believe that's another form of, of receiving it in vain. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians, I think it was 15, um, he said that, uh, here's in verse 10, he says, the great, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Okay, so Paul said, everything I am is because of God's grace. I received it. And it's not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. So we can never labor for grace because God's grace is free. But once we receive it, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christians get lazy. They're like, oh, I'm saved, I'm good. But really grace, Paul says, I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles. I actually received grace and then worked. And so I think if you're saved and not active, there's an issue. That, that grace should cause you to be active. It should cause you to be wanting to do ministry and, and reaching people. And if it's not, I'd say you're you're receiving it in vain. Yep. Uh, and it just popped in my head too about about grace and in Titus two eleven it says the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And I've read that before, that grace of God. Grace doesn't just simply mean in that moment, it's almost like, oh, you're forgiven, and you move on. It's, it's, it's more of a teaching. It's more of like in that moment of you know, right and wrong, it's like you choose wrong, and then the, the grace comes in and says, now, do you understand what just happened there? Do you, do you under, like, kind of like you do with your kids. You, know? you don't just say, like, don't do that, and, and then they're kind of like, why? What did I do wrong? It's like sometimes you just sit down and say, hey, why I told you not to do that is because of da-da-da-da. And I think grace does the same thing with us. Sometimes we'll make a bad decision, and we're almost like you feel convicted. And it's like, oh, wait, I didn't see that through all the way. So grace is like a teaching, uh, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit uses it as a teaching tool. He's not just coming in saying, oh, it's okay, you're forgiven, move on. You know, sometimes you need taught in that grace to say, okay, that was wrong, but recognize why it was wrong. And, and now, going forward, you can make a better decision. So, so this is a great verse. We're talking about grace. A lot of people say, well, you're, you're, that's that slippery slope. That's that greasy grace that, you know, you think grace is an excuse to sin or that, that you're, you know, God's already forgiven you so you can do whatever. Grace doesn't do that at all. I mean, what you just read, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So it's available to everybody. Teaching us denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So that, that grace doesn't excuse sin. Grace actually teaches us how, how to not sin. Yep, to overcome sin. And, and so if somebody's living in a sinful situation, say, well, it's the grace of God. No, it's not, because if it was the grace of God, it would be teaching you that what you're doing is not right. What he just said. It does. Say it for the people in the way back. In the way back, grace will teach you <laughs> that what you're doing is not right. Yep. It's Amen. just no different. You know, so, so often, and, and when, when Paul's telling us, he says, hey, you need to be an ambassador. An ambassador is somebody that speaks on behalf of the king or the president. 
And so that we're here in this world, we're representing God, we're representing Jesus, we're speaking what he, he would want us to speak. And what he's speaking is, I'm not mad at you, I'm not angry at you, you need to receive what I've done. But, you know, I think too often we focus on the problem instead of the solution. We're telling people, you're this, you're that, you're, you're, you're living in this, you're living in that. And instead of the answer is the gospel. Jesus has the answer. You know, it's, it's not like when, when the, the woman caught in adultery comes to Jesus. He, he didn't excuse her sin, but he said, where's your accusers? Nowhere. Where, nobody here. He says, uh, or where are you, those condemning you? He says, neither do I condemn you. He gives her the gift of no condemnation, and then turns right around and says, now go and sin no more. So that grace never excuses sin, but grace empowers you to not sin. So he says, I'm not condemning you. Now that I'm not condemning you, now go and sin no more. And, and, and I think we try to get it backwards. We try to say, oh, you got to get all your stuff in order. You need to get all your sins you know, out of the way, and then God will start to work in your life. That is not true. If you look in Galatians, it says, in Galatians, where is that at? Galatians 5. This is like Bible study. Let me find it here. Galatians 5.16. So, so many people want to say, okay, get your stuff right, get your sin right, start living right, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can work in your life. That's completely opposite of what the Apostle Paul says. 5.16 in Galatians 5.16 says, I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So, by walking in the Spirit, by allowing the Spirit of grace, His Spirit, to direct me, all of a sudden I'm not going to do the bad things that I used to want to do. But other people want to say, well, Quit sinning and the Holy Spirit will work in your life. I say, let the Holy Spirit work in your life and you're not going to do it. Quit sinning. Yep. He'll clean you up. Yep. Just bring your stuff. He'll clean it up. Yep. Yep. All right, what were we talking about today? <laughs> I don't even remember. So you, got, you got me down a rabbit see, hole. I told you. You're I, supposed you to pull did. me out. I pulled All right, you I'm down pulling in. you out. Pull me out. Um, we can kind of summarize almost verses 3 through 10. It's, it's very wordy, but basically it's telling you that as servants of God and as, as going through this reconciliation and trying to get others to, to accept this reconciliation, you're going to be facing all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of pain, all kinds of torment, valleys, and nothing, though, should pull you away from trying to be one that's reconcil- reconciling people to God. Like, no matter what heartache you go through, no matter how bad your name's slung through the mud, no matter how bad you're persecuted, no matter how much, you know, it says in here, you know, by words, power of God, weapons of, you know, honor, dishonor, slander, and praise. So, in the same, same way, the other side, you should never get to a point where people are saying, like, man, you're the, you got this great gift, and you're a great speaker, and you've wrote amazing books, and you just kind of rest in that and go, I've done all I needed to do. I've already written all my books and made all my 35-part series of, you know, salvation, and I'm good. This should always be where you're, you're actively pursuing this thing. Like, no one should ever just rest and say, I've saved 55 people, I've met my quota, I'm done. You know, like, no it should quota. always be a constant. One more. Yep, one more. Reach the one. 
And then one more. Shame, and one we're going to call. Yeah. We're going to change it to reach the one more. Reach the one more. The one more. Because David, we're, we're not reach, you're not reaching one, and it's not one and done. Not one and done. More. Well, just uh, we're, we should probably wrap up here. Um, you know, I, I, going back to, I just want to go back to verse two again. It says, "In an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you." That you know, a lot of times we think, and, and it just kind of stuck out to me. I even circled it that that God, because we're living now, now is the acceptable time. We've been in this age of grace for two thousand years. Now is the day of salvation. That God hears and God helps. Yep. God hears and God helps. And, and you never have to worry about that if you have to do something to get God to hear you. Or that I've got to do something to get God to help me. Because now, now's the acceptable time God hears us. Now's the day of salvation God helps us. And he'll, he'll help you out of any, any situation you're going through. Maybe you're struggling with, with everything that's going on in the world right now. Now is the day of salvation. Now's the day of healing. Now's the day of deliverance. Now the days of forgiveness. Whatever it is, now's the day. And he's he's taking care of all that and has the ability and desire to help you through that right now. Yes, he does. Right now. Now's the time. Now's the time. I feel like John Cena. Your time is up. My time is now. <laughs> you can't see me. <laughs> My time is now. Just a slow head. That was for my girls. <laughs> All right. Hey, now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. It's not, you know, and a lot of times you can get wrapped up and you thinking about your, your regrets of yesterday. Forget your regrets of yesterday. Forget your failures of yesterday. Or you're worried about tomorrow. What's going to happen tomorrow? Am I going to have a job tomorrow? Am I going to get sick tomorrow? Forget it. Now is the day of salvation. Now, now, now is the accepted time. And, and the beauty, too, is that if you're someone that really hasn't accepted the grace and everything, like, once you accept that grace and you're in, then when you start reading the Bible and some of the promises and some of the, you know, the yes and amens, it, it'll, it'll, like, rock your world in a good way. You know, like, when you start realizing God will take care of all your needs and that he'll supply everything you need and you don't have to be anxious about anything, like that all applies to you. Doesn't matter your situation. Doesn't matter your circumstance. Like, you say yes to Jesus, and all of a sudden you're like, "Man, you mean God will take care of my needs? I don't have to like do it." But no, God will. God will make sure there's a way. Like in this season of doubt with jobs and the economy and what's going to happen with small businesses and things like that, God will make a way. Um, like, doesn't matter what the devil puts in your ear and in your head, God will make a way and He will provide. Listen to this. Let's close with this. Okay. Isaiah 49.8. Listen, listen to this. I'm just going to read four verses. Let me just, let's, just, let's just close this and speak this over you. Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people. So he's speaking prophetically of Jesus, but Paul now applies that to us to restore the earth, to cause them. Now he's talking about what Jesus is going to cause for us, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. So things that you thought were, were gone before, things that you thought there's no chance that I'll ever have that in life, it was desolate, it was barren, 
Jesus is going to cause you to inherit that, the thing that you thought was gone. That you may say to the prisoners, go forth. You're stuck in something. You're, you're stuck in addiction. You're stuck in bondage. Come out of it. He says, go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. That means he's going to give light to your situation. That you don't know which way to go. You don't know what the next step is. He says, come out. I'm going to show you what to do. They will feed along the roads. So you're going to find food in a place that's trodden and hard. That you, it might look that you're, you're going down a path that it's so, so hard and so well used. There's nothing growing there. God says you're going to eat there. And they're... It, um, They'll feed along the roads, and their pastures will be in desolate heights. So you might be thinking, there's no way God can provide for me now. I'm in the midst of a famine. I'm going to cause you to eat there. They shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them. He who has mercy on them will lead them. Even by the springs of water, he will guide them. That's what, that's what Jay, Jay said. When you're in, you have access to all that. It's already there. You know, Pastor David Judas said it awesome. And we, right after we had the house fire, he, he came in town, and we were just telling him kind of all the things that people had done and how just with food and gift cards and this. And David just went, why do people not serve God? Like, he just said it so simply. Like, and it's true. Like, you start seeing the things, and people can say whatever they want. Like, well, that's people. That's not God. No, that's God. Like, that's God moving through people, using the Holy Spirit through people to do the things that he wants done. That there's No one can ever tell me any different. It's just, it's humbling to watch. All right, David, you close today. <laughs> do I do the David accent okay? <laughs> You're good. He'd be, he's surprised there going, white people. That's what, that's what he says. He'll just laugh at me. Mazungo. Father God, we... we come before you, Lord, today, and we just thank you that, Lord, we are in that situation where salvation is just readily available to all, Lord, the complete forgiveness of sins, the complete uh, restoration of us as co-heirs, as sons and daughters, Lord, that, Jesus, you laid it all down for us, and it changed everything in the course of history, humanity, uh, whatever else you want to put there, Lord, that. We're in a time, Lord, where we have access to say we welcome you into our lives. It gives us free access to pray right directly into the throne room. It gives us access to say that we receive uh, not only the forgiveness of our sins, but we receive that you will take care of our needs. You will, you promise to watch over us, take care of us. You love it when we're safe. You love it when we're you know feeling well. You love us when we're whole. And you take just pleasure in that. You, you love to look down and see that we are in, in a good position, that we are whole, we are living righteously, that we are redeemed, we are set free, and that we are walking in that. We're no longer walking as, as you know, we're in captivity, but we're actually walking in freedom. And so, Lord, I, I just ask that you just work on the hearts and minds of us today to speak more, to be more outgoing, to to share this reconciliation with more people, um, to share it boldly. And even if it gets rejected or if it's met with opposition or if it's met with an ugliness that we don't react, we just look to you and say, Lord, forgive them. They're still, they're still blinded. The enemy still has blinders on their eyes. Forgive them. And just 
pray that they come and find you. That, they will, that the seed's been planted and that someday something will trigger inside of their hearts to say, you know what, there's truth. I, there's something about that. I'm at least going to try it out. That's what it was for me, and I believe it's like that for others. That, Lord, when enough, enough seeds get deposited, you just have no other choice but to say, I'm going to try that thing out and see where it goes. And so, Lord, I, I just thank you that, that you love us. Thank you that you, you died for us. Thank you that you're constantly trying to mold us and, and work in us and bring us to the point of perfection. And just pray that anybody watching today that doesn't know you, that hasn't received you, that is challenged, is questioning, is walking in doubts and fears, that they will drop to their knees today and say, Lord, come into my life. Change me. Mold me. I give my life to you. It doesn't have to be any perfect words. It doesn't have to be a set prayer. It just has to be from the heart that says, Lord, I want you to come in and change me from the inside out. So, Lord, I thank you that that's still your business. It's changing lives and reconcile us back to you. So, Lord, bless us as we leave here today. Give us traveling mercies. Let angels encompass about us everywhere we go. We just thank you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.